Welcome to More with Less, the podcast that looks at how businesses balance financial growth with sustainability. I am Venkata Gandhikota and I'm Jaydeep Prabhu. Our guest on today's episode is Anna Lavi Lati. whose recent uh, job was vice president of sustainability with Finnair before that she was in a similar role with Telia the nordic telecom provider and prior to that she was head of sustainability at Nokia Anne is currently on the advisory board of Elite Alp- Alfred Berg an investment company and also serves as a board member at Vekkaus the Finnish state gambling monopoly And thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. You've been working in sustainability roles for many years now, ranging from various sectors telecom to aviation. Perhaps you could tell us a bit about yourself and your personal journey. Sure, and thank you for having me here. Yeah, I was brought up to think about things like waste and reuse like many things. I was the kid that was trying to protect the trees. <laughs> where the constructors came in and it's very much in my blood but professionally I started with issues on social and economic sustainability while working in the African markets for Nokia I saw very clearly the positive impact that the company can have on a society the expansion of telecoms networks and the and the penetration of mobile phones had considerable effects on people's lives but it also required that flexibility and innovation from the company to come up with solutions that were then suitable for that type of market so for example services that enabled an individual use their mobile as a phone booth selling airtime to others creating a business for themselves and changes like charging by seconds and not by minutes like we used to here in the sort of more affluent countries and it became clear to me that what was called corporate responsibility at that time that it was not only about charity and doing no harm but it could also be a very powerful business driver and this has pretty much been true in all the companies that i've worked with so i have a two part question what does it mean to be sustainable in the industries you have been in so one is telecom the other is transportation can you maybe compare that especially the transportation and aviation industry they're going through some pretty big changes the electric vehicle technologies and sustainable fuels and so on what changes do you see because of these trends this trade definitely has its own challenges and they really need to understand their role in society and the impact that they have both the positive and the negative these two industries are really interesting because they have very almost like the opposite impacts whereas transportation has a huge challenge with their climate it also has a huge upside on the social and economic side so travel is important for global trade for people learning and quite frankly peace and living together in this globalized world and then telecoms and ICT in general on the other hand has a lot to offer to fight against climate change reducing need for unnecessary travel digitalizing physical things eliminating logistics and material costs etc and then the dark sides can be more on the social side like the dark side of the internet if you will or our online lives such as negative impacts on children and the young in terms of changes there's a lot and it's an ever moving area so <laughs> in the industry like you mentioned a lot happening there 
preparing for increased use of sustainable fuels, biofuels initially, but in the future also fuels produced from carbon dioxide and hydrogen. Electric planes, of course, are hugely exciting. And yeah, reducing the negative environmental impact, airlines can keep on delivering on the positive social impact. And that's really what corporate sustainability is all about, finding that balance. I just wanted to follow up on that because we've seen that the aviation sector took a big hit during COVID. And we've seen also now pressure building up because of COP26 and the IPCC report and so on. And there are big pressures to reduce one's footprint, whatever sector you're in, whatever company you're in. So how does an aviation an airline, how do they balance that? On the one hand, they need to generate revenues to stay afloat. On the other hand, there are these pressures to move into these new areas which require investment and probably risk-taking to really find substitutes. So how do they deal with that kind of storm that they're facing? Yeah, when we talk about COVID and climate change, it really strikes me when we're talking about the new normal, right? Like the life after COVID. But COVID is nothing compared to climate change and the new normal that we're living already and will be living in foreseeable future. Sort of first accepting climate change and that there is a big fight against it, but at the same time, we also need to start preparing for just living with it and how we can adapt to the big new normal, not the post-COVID new normal, but in the midst of climate change. Climate change is the big trend that steers also other trends. So it's increasing regulation. Clearly, it has engaged the financial sector to really look at where they invest. And this is such a big driver. I think they got a little bit of a late start, the financial sector. But now when they started, they are making leaps in their own work. And then, of course, this is what companies listen. Also, customer trends are very clear now, driven by climate change. People do prefer sustainable companies. And this is not to say that there isn't a lot of unsustainable consumption out there still, but the trend is clear. And of course, the big players such as Unilever, Volkswagen, Neste, and many others are placing really big bets on it. And finally, there's a trend among employees that is also driven by climate change, especially the younger generation. So recruiters nowadays need to be ready to answer questions about their sustainability work, ambitions, possibilities for employees to participate. Sustainability is a huge sort of clear competitive edge in the hunt for talent. And these are not soft issues. These are very financially relevant issues for the company. So it's not a question of if we should be sustainable anymore, but it is just a question of how we do it best. It's very well put together. Just reading all these things online and what people are talking and speaking about mirrors what you are also saying just now. Going back to your sustainability experience for the past decade, this has been in big publicly listed companies, first Nokia, then with Telia, and then with Finnair. Can you talk about how working and being in a publicly listed company, how does that affect the sustainability leadership in these companies while balancing financial returns? Yeah, all the companies mentioned understand really well that sustainability makes you more competitive. Sure, it has a cost, but the return is bigger in the long term. And also the cost of not being sustainable is growing all the time. Even just looking at regulation, for example, if you look at the EU market, if you're not sustainable, you're going to pay for it. So it is a financial issue. And then also the big owners, big investors require it. BlackRock, of course, being the world's largest asset manager, I think they're managing something like nine or almost $10 trillion in assets. 
at the moment, and they regard climate risk as an investment risk. But at the same time, also, it's a sort of a historic opportunity. We always talk about the risk, but there are huge opportunities here as well. In climate change, but in sustainability in general, if you look at the beautiful sustainable development goals map that the UN has drawn, and you have these 17 colorful boxes that are very easy to think of as challenges. You're looking at no poverty, hunger, and so on. But in fact, those are billion-dollar business opportunities. It's one of them as well. We need to do things better. And who's going to do them better? It will be the companies. And they need to profit from it. So I don't even see that there's a huge balance between being sustainable or being financially sound, because maybe there was, but they're coming very close. And I think most large companies understand it. And if they don't, the market will make them understand it's the financial market, it is the customers, and it is the employees. That's really interesting, the point you made that the financial sector is now a very important player because they are realizing the long-term, perhaps, financial risks associated with climate change. And actually, that's a point that Pia and Sala also made, that that shift they are seeing happen. And to a great extent, that is yet another driver for companies to change their behavior. But I'm just wondering, in practical terms, you have to balance, in a way, the short run with the long run. And yes, in the long run, let's say if you're an aviation company, you may be able to move to some renewable source of energy, let's say hydrogen, whatever it is. But in the short run, you're still stuck with fossil fuels and you're still stuck, especially with post-COVID, people wanting to travel more because they were used to it. So do you see that there will be some short-run costs, in a sense, or things getting worse before a kind of tipping point happens? Or how do you see that transition happening? Yeah, that is an excellent question. The timeline is what makes this tricky. You need to find the right timing to do these things. So for example, if we look at aviation and if you want to cut emissions in aviation today, the only real thing that you can do is to fly less. And then you lose all those positive things that travel brings. And not only a healthy business, but we're actually talking about people here. We're talking about millions of people being out of work and tens of millions being out of work, actually, not only aviation, but the tourism and the related markets. So that's clearly not the best way to do it. But then what else can you do? The laws of physics are against that industry, and you can't change it more than is physically possible. So we would need to have a little bit of patience to make sure that these companies are financially sound, that they have the ability to invest once the solutions are there. Once we have more biofuel, once we have new fuels, once we have electric planes, then we need the investment capability. The question remains, how much time do we have from the climate perspective? How long can we wait until we're beyond the point of return? So it is tricky. But what could help would be to look at it in a systemic level. So not only looking at aviation separately, but look at travel and transport or look at where do we need fuel? Because we know that the CO2 is coming from the fuel. So where do we need to use the fossil fuels and where could we maybe move into cleaner power sources? 
So to simplify it, if we need to use the fossil uh, fuels to fly the planes, let's do that. But let's make sure that the road transport moves to electro electric as soon as possible. So that the little bit of biofuel that we have, let's put that to the tricky parts and electrify what we can already today. So it, it needs the systemic thinking. And that's very difficult because you don't have a head of systemic <laughs> energy use in the world. But you have different countries and you have different industries and you have different interest groups. So it's very hard to get to what everybody probably thinks is a logical way of moving forward. But it is tricky. So I've heard about this point you're making, this sort of systemic point that really you have to have so many different players, in a sense, move together for the change to happen. And there isn't any obvious mechanism to do that. So you end up seeing a lot of partnerships. And we've heard about a lot of businesses that form consortia to deal with yeah. some specific issue. I'm wondering if you had any thoughts on that, how businesses may be organizing within sectors or even across sectors, across geographies, to try and address some of these systemic problems. Any examples you may have from your own experience would be really interesting to explore. Yeah, I think the cross-industry collaboration is key now. We're very used to collaborating within industries and driving our agenda per that industry. But when you look at the challenges, they are so complex now that you had to reach across industries. One really cool coalition is something called Nordic CEOs for Sustainable Development. I think it's about 20 different companies and it is the CEOs actually who sit down and meet and try to figure out that how can they move the needle? What can they do in their own companies? Are there opportunities to collaborate across industries? And also they're putting the message out there also towards the government to say that, okay, this is what we're doing. What should you be doing? Are you sure that government purchasing, for example, is up to scratch to what is needed now? And are your own work on the level that you required from companies? Are you creating policies that really move the needle? So I think that's a really interesting cooperation. And the fact that they're talking about sustainability, they're talking about mainly about climate change and diversity. And it is the CEOs. It is not the sustainability leaders of these companies, but it is the CEOs that are driving this. And that's a big change from 10 years ago. Very few CEOs were interested. At so far, we've been talking quite a lot about environmental sustainability and the financial pressures of growth and so on. But you've also alluded a few times to the social. Yeah. So when you were saying how when you worked in Africa, you saw there was this social component to make a big positive impact with products like mobile phones. You mentioned with transportation, there's a social element, you know, generates jobs, helps people travel. And you just mentioned that the CEO roundtable also focuses on diversity issues. Yeah. And that's something that's come up again and again in our podcast. Some people even have a title, which is about diversity inclusion and sustainability. Mm -hmm. So I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on that. It almost makes it even more interesting or challenging because you don't just have financial pressures of growth with environmental sustainability issues, but you almost have a third part for a triangle, which is the social. So how do you manage that? Do you just have more metrics around these? And then how do you balance the metrics or the KPIs? I just wonder if you could perhaps tell us a little bit about your thoughts on that front. Yeah. The main reason or two reasons why I think the focus is on climate is, of course, the urgency of the matter. But the second reason is that our ability to measure it, right? 
Measuring CO2 is physics. It's easy. You can put numbers on your Excel and create targets and follow up progress and all that good stuff. So no wonder also the financial sector focuses on climate change. They do love their numbers and it makes it possible for them to somehow evaluate the companies and compare them with each other. And then it gets much more complicated already in other aspects of environment as well. Biodiversity is a huge challenge but much harder to measure. On social side, we can fairly easily measure diversity, at least if it's simple diversity, right? Maybe male, female, but if you go any deeper than that, already in many countries, you are not allowed to collect information on people's nationalities or backgrounds or anything like that. So it gets a little bit complex. But then already inclusion, which is usually grouped with diversity, inclusion is a lot harder to measure. What does it mean? What is an inclusive company? Similarly, it's fairly easy to measure workplace accidents, but how do you measure employee well-being? So new ways of measuring are clearly needed, but sometimes I think when we're on the way to that, we just need to accept the fact that we're using more qualitative measures and we go at it in a more sort of values-based way rather than having exact numbers. You can't say that it's less important just because it's more difficult to measure, but that's what often happens because it, what gets measured gets done <laughs> is the old credo. And then when you have this stuff that is hugely important, but hard to measure, it easily takes a back seat. So it needs sort of special attention also from the leadership of the companies to make sure that it's not buried under the numbers on climate. That's really interesting. I wonder if I could just ask you about the companies you've been in. Do they actually measure all these different things and are they moving towards it? And then how do they report on all these different dimensions? How does that work these days? I guess the hard to measure things, either you use an existing proxy, an index or a ranking out there which sort of gives you some kind of an idea how you compare against others and so on. So that's done. Also, we've created indices within the company, try to understand what constitutes well-being for employees, for example, and measuring those more exact things and then create some kind of an index on it. And yeah, I guess it's mathematicians who say that all the models are wrong, but some are useful. So this is the case with it. So as long as you have something that is transparent, what you're measuring, and you keep measuring the same thing from year to year, it, it is useful. It's not perfect, but it, it is useful. So you just need to come up with ways of doing it. And then there are some good proxies out there that you can use. The Bloomberg gender equality ratings and so on. So I, actually, just one question before I hand it back to Venkatal. Anna, you've been in three very important sectors and you've been involved with sustainability in all these sectors. What are your thoughts on which sectors are really leading, so you mentioned finance as well, are driving this change and which sectors are probably going to find it harder because maybe the obstacles are more serious or difficult to really make change happen? I wonder if you could perhaps talk from your experience about where it's easier to make change, where it might be harder. Yeah, especially on sustainability, I think ICT has been on the case for a long time and for the simple reason that it's good business. Going back to the social sustainability and the social impact in the developing countries, that is very clear. You make good business 
but at the same time, you're really helping people. And that, of course, it keeps the warmer posse peeling also to the CFO and starts that thinking that, okay, this is not something that I give out from my bottom line. This is how I grow my top line. So I think ICD has been working on this for a very long time. We see at the moment some of the consumer goods companies, Unilever, of course, has been doing it for a long time. Car industry is going through an incredible transformation. Their whole base of business is slipping out from under them and they're building something new. Similarly, food. If you're really focusing on meat, it's a good time to start looking at alternatives. I see a lot of industries like that really waking up now. Textile as well. A lot of innovation happening there. And then going back to transport and aviation especially, it is doing a lot, but it is still the poster child of climate change. And there we go. But I think in seven to 10 years, people are going to see a very different industry on that one as well. So just building on that, and I also was fascinated by this LinkedIn post you made a few months ago. You said, I'm quoting you from within that post, is it is important that sustainability professionals get involved with the bad and the blacklisted companies. We can't only work with companies providing amazing shared value, but we also need to recognize the importance of being less bad. It's not as glamorous, but it is a step towards a bigger change. You have been involved with Wakehouse and Finnair, and both of them have, which you alluded to a little bit earlier, a bit of like negative public perceptions, Wakehouse being for social issues because of the gambling thing, and then Finnair, because of these uh, greenhouse gas emissions. So can you explain on this a bit more, what you said in your LinkedIn post, and then how it can be connected to the future of sustainability leadership role in businesses? I guess I have to admit first that when I was talking about bad companies, it was a little bit provocative. I don't know any bad companies per se. I don't think there is a real life Simpsons, Mr. Burns somewhere going, yeah, I'm just going to get everybody's money and so on. But there are definitely industries that are complex. But I personally always enjoyed working with companies that do have challenges because I do think the sustainability professionals should strive for impact. And if I work in a company that is very sustainable, that is doing everything really well already, my impact will be tiny. The marginal value that I can create is going to be small. But then in the company that is still in the beginning of their sustainability journey or does not even yet see the value, even small improvements create a big impact and set the pole rolling. Because it's a little naive to think that we should just today stop producing tobacco, drilling for oil, raising cattle or flying. Personally, I'd be happy to see tobacco disappear, but the fact is that it will not do that overnight, if ever. So those companies need to transform and find future-proof paths for themselves. And sometimes that could mean totally changing your business model and your products. And it's just much better to drive those changes from within to, I want to have good sustainability people inside those companies. I'd be really worried if there weren't any. But having said that, we also do need drivers outside of the companies, right? The NGOs and the activists and so on, they have an extremely important role to play in pushing companies to be transparent and maybe even more importantly, make them move faster. Because although companies that are good and maybe not so good have set really ambitious targets for themselves, at least from the climate point of view, reading the results from Glasgow, it looks like it's not enough or not soon enough. So to gain that speed required, we need to work in all levels of society inside and outside of the companies, challenging the companies, creating sensible regulation and personally making smart purchasing 
decisions. That's a really powerful statement. I wonder if we can end with your personal thoughts on the profession of sustainability leaders within companies and perhaps your own future path. Where do you see that heading? Where can you make the most difference and impact? This is a profession that is completely different now than it was, say, 15 years ago. Then me and my colleagues, we were banging on doors, trying to get people to listen to us, being belittled, called tree hugging hippies in a corporate email. But, but now it's very different. Now we sit in the management teams, we sit in the boards, and that just shows how the world is changing and how this profession is changing. And at the moment, it is hot. There's a risk to that, though, because then everybody wants to do it. If you don't have the required understanding and the required competence on it, then we're flirting with greenwashing and whitewashing again. But the good thing is that the companies are really starting to understand the value of sustainability for license to operate, but also as a business driver. So it's an exciting profession to be in. It's also very addictive. I can't really see myself working in a position that doesn't have this element to it. But I have to say that there's also this change that it's not only the sustainability professionals that are working with sustainability. It's quite hard to go into a management team of any company and find a person that doesn't work with sustainability. It is part of everybody's job and it should. Let's see where we are in 10 years. I think we've solved the problems that we have now and then we have a bunch of new ones that we're struggling to solve. And that's how it works. It is a moving target. If you're having new problems, then it means that progress is being made. So current problems are solved. Progress has been made. <laughs> exactly. I just wanted to thank you for a really interesting conversation. Very thought-provoking, inspirational, and also getting into some tricky, weedy issues, really difficult issues that companies are grappling with. So thank you so much for that. I agree. Thank you, thank you so, so much, much for having me. for listening to our more Less podcast you can follow us also on social media our twitter handle is more with less pod and our handles on instagram linkedin and youtube are more with less podcast 